Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Recalibrating the Scales. I'm your host and Chief Executive Resolutionist, Normia Vasquez-Scales, at your disposal. daughter duo, Ode to the Modern Day Superhero, The Conversation, Perseverance, Ode to the Modern Day Superman, Dust swirls finest flower as you grace the surface of your arena, fleet-footed, lapping every opponent prior to zealously ripping, shredding the finish line, marking the cadence of your race, spectators applauding your approval, confirming victory, alas. You ferociously touched down, flawlessly rendered each layup, and scurried home, mutilating the base alongside your compadres, cheering you on after yet another score, redefining the essence of the four-letter man you are, reigning through the campaign of life amid the years. I recall your stately presence gliding through the corridors of the Bernard Gentry Center, peering approvingly through the ajar door as my peers and I harmonized to morning song. Among penmanship and pastel paintings, you, Father, faithfully, fearlessly, forever present, field excursions and all, available to my siblings and I, your pride and joy, who accepted the torch you gifted, coupled with priceless counsel on and off sidelines, fields and courts, despite the casualties you'd incurred from an employer and voluntarily laid to rest. Your armor remained unscathed and your majestic cloak untattered, valiantly defying the adversary of untimely circumstance at every turn, branding you as the unwavering hero I perceived you to be across time and space, the pinnacle of success bearing the guise of a man bronzed with resilience. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another sprightly episode this evening. I've been privileged with the opportunity to feature my beloved father and superhero, Norman Scales Sr., this broadcast. Please stay tuned for the dialogue. I'm still thriving on the residual fumes, the remnants of my voyage to Chicago among family and friends. Sweet nostalgia is still consuming me, coupled with abundant gratitude that my father, my lifelong superhero, made leaps and bounds along his recovery after, after a disconcerting health setback, spurring his rehospitalization. Unastonishingly, Dad willed himself out of the hospital in record time. Needless to say, your resilience still prevails, Super Dad. Moreover, I dedicate this broadcast to you personally, Dad, alongside all other active fathers akin to you who've been there amid the years, bitter or sweet, despite feats and shortcomings, this includes, but, but is not limited to, Warren Vasquez, Jorge Vasquez, Norman Scales Jr., Christopher Clark, R.J. Rhodes, Marlon Snipes, Johnny Jones, 
Joel Lee, Jeffrey Bradley, Jermont Montgomery, Demarcus Murray, Kendall Weller, Lawrence Montgomery, Sergeant Larry Thomas, founder of the Thomas Mentor Leadership Academy, and droves of other instrumental males and father, father figures and mentors laboring in and on relevant in, relevant, in one relevant capacity or another. Nevertheless, thank you immensely, Dad, for always being there alongside all of you gentlemen out there. Your efforts have not gone unnoticed. In light of the occasion, you know, being Father's Day, which is, which is come and gone, but we're still in celebration of it, I deem it most appropriate to unearth renditions of my original poetry synonymous with fathers, such as my own, and vital men in general this episode. Hence, here's my original rendition of Born Year Salutations, dedicated to Norman Scale Sr. and my dearest nephew, Christopher Clark. Born Year Salutations. Happiest birthday, dearest nephew, Christopher. May all your burning desires become manifested. Words alone cannot convey the degree of pride I have for you. You have evolved into such a wonderful man, husband and father amid the years. Moreover, you've devoted your life by virtue of servitude to our country and thrust me upwards along with the high-ranking ladder of becoming the greatest aunt and cats, not once, twice, Yet thrice, via three priceless children you've graced the world with. You, Christopher Clark, innately one of the most benevolent souls I've known, can shed your, ben- your beneficence to droves of others globally. You've always had an unwavering affinity for protagonists portrayed in print and film. Batman, Captain America, Wolverine, X-Men and Iron Men, to name a few. Yet the authentic and unrefined superhero is essentially... The gentleman gazing back at you. In the mirror, of course. Hence, in my mind's eye, you are a quintessential modern-day Superman. And I infinitely, infinitely salute you. May the wind be always upon your back. And the sun's radiance shower you infinitely. Paz y amor por siempre, Auntie Mia. And here's another one you may recall dedicated to Warren Vasquez Vasquez, my late husband and father of our only son, Maximo. Happy anniversary, Warren. We were married 13 years ago yesterday in celebration of you and both of our fathers. So, yes, yes, Dad, once again, you were celebrated even in the course of our matrimony. I titled this one Transcendence, a rite of passage, heaven to earth. As your budding fingertips graced the ivory, I ingested your petition via fluidly refurbished, refurbished scales co-created by melancholic prose infused with sonic ingenuity, every chord rousing the chi of awestruck awestruck spectators, thereby evoking exorcisms emanating from the sanctuary to the heavens, where Father becomes abruptly aroused from his premature slumber in excess of two years, thereby igniting his buoyant, supernatant descent into the spiritual domicile engulfing you, the thriving fruit of his expired loins. Father, invisible to your unclad eyes, silently accompanies you, gallantly perched upon the upholstered bench, where your rendition ascends and permeates the famished minds, parched souls, and frayed spirits of of the congregation, clutching, arresting, seizing the approval of the celestial patron in your midst. Paternal underdog. Here's another one. 
unscathed by the unshorn. Exuberance, evoked by the melodic hymn, Lovely Day, splattered the atmosphere, illustrated by watercolor festivities, confirming triumph yielded via the graceful, fluid rite of passage of the junior apprentice shedding his juvenile flesh prior to the evolution. Suddenly, thunder claps amid wailing wind as darkness descends and silence manifests, annihilating the glee spawned from infectious bird song, incarcerating the calm which sullied the sprightly aura. The patriarch, abruptly ensnared, untraceably vanishes, leaving the bewildered product ripening fruit of his loins, procreated via an amorous conduit none other than his sons and solace, who collapsed, crashing upon feeble knees, gazing upward, uttering, O Father, where art thou? Unscorned and unabashingly basking in the remnants of boyhood, meshed, garnished with admiration for the paternal underdog, torn, severed from his grasp. Ladies and gentlemen, in addition to the aforementioned poetry renditions, I'd like to share a biography before I bring my dad on the air that I've written about him while enrolled at the Illinois Institute of Technology in 1995. I managed to find it after frantically searching for it yesterday, and it's titled Surpassing Episodes. Again, that's Surpassing Episodes. Their mother lay screaming, struggling and pushing with all energy contained while father aided nearby. Then finally, after extensive hours of intense labor, I, the eldest child, had been thrust into an empty setting at 3522 South Prairie on November 13, 1941. Later on, a sequence of events followed my birth. This involved overcoming a coma sparked from double pneumonia at six months old and moving to Ontario, California at seven months old. At age two, the separation of my parents, Herman and Arlene Scales, occurred. This coincided with mother's pregnancy, yet mother rustled up her bootstraps and upheld the sole responsibility of supporting my younger brother, Herman, and me from that moment onward. Unfortunately, mother's financial standing progressively worsened to such an extent that we were consequently moved back to Chicago by my grandmother. There, mother obtained public aid as a means of providing the family with food and other necessities, thus lifting us out of the hole which had been dug. My childhood had appeared to be rather productive upon returning to the Windy City. Furthermore, I considered it as somewhat fulfilling. I maintained a stable job as a paper boy and even became an active member of the Boy Scouts Club in place of consuming valuable time socializing on street corners with the so-called quote-unquote end crowd, most importantly, I'm able to recall that at an early age, I made whatever sacrifices possible to assist my mother. On the other hand, my childhood became filled with downfalls and misfortune that marked tangents in my life. Throughout my adolescence, I encountered a series of untimely events. In detail, I battered severe depression while suffering the loss of my grandmother. Meanwhile, I witnessed my younger sister, Barbara, fight off a severe illness. Aside from these things, I was forced to readjust my life to the, loss, to the loss of my right eye during an accident at age four. On July 4th, 1945, my friend Tony and, and me lit firecrackers without parental consent. We became bored with this and decided to do something a little different. 
Tony then placed the firecracker in a glass jar and it exploded. The shattered glass unfortunately damaged my eye because I hadn't fled soon enough. Therefore, I received emergency treatment and was substituted in artificial eye. Moreover, just as I assumed such ill-starred events had reached a peak, my mother developed a tumor and soon became pregnant with my twin brother and sister, Brandon and Brenda. At the time, I was 12 years of age. In addition, the birth of my siblings was filled with complications that nearly led to mother's demise, but had been overcome with God's aid. Still, the thought of losing my mother continuously haunted me through both dreams and reality. Anyhow, the dismay resulting from this incident did not compare to the trauma I experienced in 1957. The incident began when I rode my bike to pay a bill for mother 16300 South Halston. I'm zooming along in no one's world but my own when suddenly whites scattered out at random in pursuit of me for no, for no apparent reason. I can still hear the loathsome cries, get that nigger, get that nigger, and feel those people's rage and opposition against me for being what is beyond my control, a black citizen. Nevertheless, a male black citizen. In the past, a black man as opposed to a black woman was highly detested by whites. However, I managed to dodge stones, bottles, and bricks and reach safety because I knew then, if nothing else, that to be caught was to be dead. I had never even conceived the thought of actually being attacked by prejudiced whites. Such activity, in my opinion, occurred to those in books, yet this rude awakening proved my perception is false. In addition, it revamped my entire perspective of racism and enlightened me on how my gender and color were destined to bring me a whirlwind of problems. Life proceeded, and I managed to withstand the preceding events and maintain my focus long enough to graduate from Raymond Elementary School and advance on to Wendell Phillips High School, school in 1956. There, I joined the track team and became a track star, pardon me, due to competing in the half mile, high and low hurdles, broad jump and cross country to name a few. But believe me when I say I was darn good. The team and I were so successful that we met set unbreakable records and became sit-in state champions. This victory remained with me up until and beyond the completion of my high school term in 1962. Immediately following graduation, I stood alone in this hard-hearted world and faced the challenges that I encountered again. I also reached the hands, released the hands of mother, who guided me along life's rugged path and surpassed any obstacles on my own, especially prejudice and racism, which served to be burdensome and unavoidable throughout the remainder of my life. Regardless of how hard I fought to avoid confrontations with racism, I still could not succeed. It reached a point where extending my education became a hassle. In particular, commuting to and from Wilson Junior College on 4700 South Union brought forth problems in the year 1963. Although other blacks and I peacefully traveled about, we still met harassment. In, in detail, we had to hustle to catch the first bus available to us in order to avoid being beaten and tormented. My attendance at Wilson, at Wilson wound up being detained at age 21 when my father contacted me by phone and invited me to reside in Oakland, California. I distinctly remember how father automatically identified me because of our striking resemblance. How did you know who I was? I questioned and listened to the reply. I would know you anywhere. The healthy relationship between father and me was only temporary. 
Therefore, I made the decision to part company and head for San Francisco, where I met Goose Tatum of the Harlem Road Kings and joined the team. Playing basketball alongside Goose provided me with the opportunities to travel abroad to Mexico, Central and South America, and Canada, where the team and I were treated with the utmost kindness and respect, as opposed to the States. Upon returning to the States to tour the South, I observed a significant contrast in treatment of our Negro team to countries beyond the States with the United States. Since we were black men, we were purposely shut out of white hotels upon arrival, although our visit had been acknowledged and agreed upon early on. Then, in Moss Point, Mississippi, we experienced yet another racial encounter. One silent evening, the team was falsely accused of causing a disturbance in the downtown area of Moss Point. We were then consequently transported to the police station and forced to pay a $250 fine. However, a mysterious white man dressed in a black suit arrived on the scene and forced the unjust officer to release us, since no harm was done. Finally, after the gentleman's second attempt to free us, he succeeded. To this day, I thank the Heavenly Father for removing us from that dreadful situation. Had the gentleman not been in reach, I, among all the group, would have been lynched and thrown in the gulf outside the station, not simply for being a black man, but a northern black man. I remained with the, with the road kings who continued to travel about and resided alongside the team on, Bla- on the Blackfoot Reservation in Browning, Montana. Treatment was not even a cut above that of, of the South for Goose Tatum, who was mistreated in spite of his fame for holding an interracial marriage. Nor was, was it for the team or the helpless Native American women who were assaulted by white men. One day, however, it dawned on me how much higher education regarded, how much higher education was regarded to keep afloat in the world than sports. Therefore, I decided to resign from basketball and resume my education, which took precedence in this situation. In 1970, I attended Malcolm X College in an effort of obtaining my degree as a health technician under the Allied Health Program. Yet my career was intercepted by both the birth of my daughter, Norma Jean, that year, and alimony, which placed me in financial distress, thus causing my schooling to cease. Seeing that my original career path had been altered, I became employed as a Midwest security officer from 1970 to 1973, and later an officer at Mary Thompson Hospital up until closing in 1989. Never before had I undergone the experience of being unemployed until then. However, once again, I felt shut out of society for being who and what I was. I received only rejection from the Chicago Fire Department, Western Electric, Campbell Soup Company, the American Can Company, REA Parcel Service, and the State Police Department. I could not understand that how after passing the written, agility, psychological, background investigation, oral, medical, and drug examinations for the Chicago Police Department, I was still denied denied employment. I was allegedly rejected due due to the loss of my right eye. Yet the truth lies in the fact that this was only an excuse to mask racially discriminating me, let alone further oppressing my family and me. After years of wholeheartedly pursuing law enforcement, the county among all branches was the only force to acknowledge my relatively flawless working gunshot record enough to employ me on March 25, 1991. Even now, I strive to maintain an excellent performance rate while on a low profile. I regard this as necessary because it will give me an edge on the following person and distance me from the oppression I suffered so deeply throughout my life.
It is clearly evident that racism still exists, but I stand firm against it now more than ever before. By no means possible can I sit passively and allow my accomplishments to be stripped away from me again, leaving me to bask in shame. Nor will I ignore will I instill passivity in my children because such will destroy the positive image I spent years investing. Without further ado, I'd like to introduce my beloved father and superhero, the prevailing four-letter man himself, Norman Scales Sr. Welcome to the Recalibrating the Scales radio show, Dad. How are you this evening? I'm fine. Okay, very well. I didn't mean for that to, to be as time-consuming as it was, but I, I just wanted to, on the air, just acknowledge just to give to acknowledge you as a father for being there, both in biography and through poetry. And I'm giving you the remainder of the floor. Yeah, me. I didn't know you had so much vast knowledge about me, my life, and everything. But uh, mm-hmm. you did an excellent job at uh, retrieving all that information about me. And I thank you for being my daughter. And I love you and all my children so very, very much. And the wonderful wife who gave me y'all. Oh, what is heartwarming. That is heartwarming. Betty Scales, my right arm. Your right arm. (laughs) That's right. I knew I said about you. That is my greatest support. Yes, she is. I wholeheartedly agree. I've been waiting, waiting for this moment to have this this one on one with you on the air to globally acknowledge you. And, you know, this is the opportunity for me to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, I know, I said a mouthful about you, Daddy, um, through that biography. Um, but you can, if you like, you could share with our listeners a bit more about you, if you like. Normally, what I what I would have done was pose customarily a short series of interview questions during this Q and A segment, but I'm shifting shifting this platform to compliment you instead. Uh-huh. I want to say that you're the, you're the strongest man that I know. You've always uh-huh. been and always will. Be. And I applaud the drug and alcohol free lifestyle you've always lived amid the years, which has made me and spurred me to make the same conscientious decision to mirror the same lifestyle that you've lived over the course of my 42 years in county. You've set the mm. bar and standard of man that I choose to align myself with. And I'm, I'm again, just graced with the privilege of broadcasting all of this over the airwaves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I have to thank my wife, Betty. I don't know mm-hmm. if she knew it or not. She was the mm-hmm. motivation for me to do the things in life like I did when we met and married and had children. But Mm -hmm. I don't know if I ever really, you know, explained that to her. I just kept going on and on and on doing what I had to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm sure she's all ears. We're all ears listening now. And it's a joy to hear it. 
this is this is this is uh, a very critical time, you know, just for that family, you know, to to voice the things, the positive things that that we have been that have been omitted through the year. What better opportunity to do this than now? And so this is one of my Father's Day week gifts to you. And I hope that you receive the, the physical Father's Day gift that I sent to you. That uh, from Maximo and I actually. Yeah, I didn't see it yet. Mm-hmm. I'll look out on the porch to see mm-hmm. if it's there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is there no, any advice? I- Dad, is there any advice that you could render in the in the time that we have remaining? I know time is getting away from us. It's what now? Is there any advice that you'd like to render to our listeners in the few minutes that we have remaining? No, I couldn't hardly hear you. I said, is there any advice? Is there any advice that you'd like to to give to our listeners in the few minutes that we have remaining? Well, the advice I have is, you know, look to Almighty God for your guidance, and I'm quite sure you will be successful in life. Mm Because he is the one that you should seek first before anyone else. For anything you need. Mhm. Yeah. There's a quote that that I put on my episode page uh, that reads, "Once a father, once a father overheard his son pray, 'Dear God, make me the kind of man my daddy is.' Later that night, the father prayed, 'Dear God, make me the kind of man my son wants.' I thought it was very heartwarming, and I'd like to also you know, apply that to you in a daughterly context as opposed to a son. Everybody know, well, even though I'm really the, the, the I'm, I'm actually the real Norman Scales Jr. <laughs> in the sense well, that I was born your daughter, but um, everyone says that I'm most like you. You and I, I'm most, I'm most like my father, more than my brother. <laughs> mm. More than Junior is. So you gave birth to a girl, Normia Vasquez Scale, or Normia Scales, I should say. And uh, yeah, I'm going to chip off the old block. Hello? Yes? Mm-hmm. Yes? Yeah. No, go, in, go on with what you were saying. Well, no, I was just mentioning that I'm 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 the chip off the I'm the chip off the old block, as they would say. Even though I'm I'm oh. your your daughter, your female, a female offspring, um, I'm most likely you of all of the siblings, <laughs> of all of my siblings. Okay, and, uh, it's, it's the truth. Well, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go ahead and. Shift gears and close us out. Um, any final thoughts before I close out our episode? He's over here. Mm-hmm. 
Um, well, <laughs> I guess I didn't say it all about what I had to say today, mm-hmm. but I'm so happy that all my mm-hmm. children were successful and avoided trouble in life that so many other families went through. I didn't have mm-hmm. that, and I'm fortunate. And I thank you, Mia, and all your siblings, my children, and my wife, for having just about a trouble-free life, married life, and Mm -hmm. friendship with my wife and friendship with my children because we and my nephews and all and other people Mm -hmm. I know, their children Mm -hmm. that I came in contact with as a baseball coach, Mm-hmm. And uh, coaching basketball, I was mm-hmm. very fortunate to have that life and to yes. become a success in it. Mm-hmm. Yes, and Daddy, it was very, it's all very well received. Hold that thought. Uh, yeah, Thank but you I'm, so much. you're welcome, mm-hmm. Mia. You're and very you welcome. I love I you hope to the and wish you all continuous mm-hmm. success, love and happiness, and all good that is that is to come to anyone. Mhm. Yeah. Thank you so much, Dad. Stand by. Mhm. I'd like to thank my beloved father, Norman Scales Sr., for carving out the time and energy to join us this evening. Moreover, I applaud my behind-the-scenes team, Bradley, for all of your unwavering support, as always, alongside all of my magnifying listeners spanning and speckling the globe. This radio show and movement rests upon your broad shoulders, so I humbly implore your continued listenership. Until the next episode, this is Normia Vasquez Scales, signing off. Thank you.